Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Deuteronomy. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Message beyond the four walls and here. Amen. So we're grateful for everyone. If you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And we will start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us this opportunity tonight, Lord, to come before you, Lord, as your children, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, even our own, Lord, as we all fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for your unmatchless grace, Lord, and tender-hearted mercy that begins afresh every morning, Lord, for without it we wouldn't be able to go on, Lord. Thank you for all your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day, Lord. Thank you for meeting our needs, Lord. We're just so grateful for that, Lord. Thank you for being involved in every area of our lives, Lord, and molding us and shaping us into the image of your Son, Lord. Help us to grow, Lord, in your grace and knowledge. And not just be hearers of the word, but grow and become doers of the word. So we can let the lost and dying world know that we're under your control and not the evil one, Lord. And as always, let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit, Lord, and not my flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen, amen and amen. Right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. And we are going to get started. We're on 26. <clears throat>
powerful name it is indeed. Amen? The name above all names and Lord above all lords. Our Lord and Savior. How's everybody doing tonight, okay? I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. This will be the last service before Christmas. I do want to remind you, though, the service won't be Saturday night. It will be Sunday night this, this weekend because of Christmas. So just be aware of that. I want to remind you. It will be at 5 again, as usual. Okay. Let us go to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start there tonight. As always, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over now as I use the Word of God and preach the Word of God, so please be attentive to that. And not to cause any distractions that might try to get us out of the Spirit. So we could all get what the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Okay. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to go back up to verse 18. We're going to start right from there. How can we? The birth of Jesus the Messiah. Verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. How was Jesus born? I don't know. Let's find out. He's going to tell us. The Bible is simple, isn't it? His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. It did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So, obviously, Joseph didn't know what was going on. He said, how can she be pregnant if she didn't have relations with another man? But because he had integrity in class, he said, I'm not going to raise any flags here. I'm going to break this off, you know, with courteousness and love. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now he listened to the right voice now, didn't he? I'm sure the wrong voices were playing in his head at the same time. Right? Like they do with us. God tries to speak with us and tell us to do the right thing. And the devil's always trying to tell us, no, that's okay, you can do the wrong thing. How many of us have this struggle? All of us still, right? Amen? So just imagine what Joseph was going through now. That was something supernatural. Yep. Yep. Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you ought to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Our great and mighty Savior Jesus saves us from our sins. Amen? Amen. He no longer counts our sins against us. We no longer have to follow and obey our sin nature. Amen. Because of what he did for us. It simply comes down to a choice. Verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. What does he mean? God came down into a human form, into our lowly word, just to be with us. Amen. Amen? That's how much he loved us, to see what was going to go on and what we are going to go through, and how we were to be after we get saved. Who we ought to look up to as our Savior, the Lord Jesus? How would he want us to act while we're down here? We look to who? Jesus. Amen? Amen? 
That's God in the flesh. When Joseph woke up, right, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Look at verse 25. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Amen? Amen. So after we know, before Jesus was born, Mary was a virgin. But after Jesus was born, they had sexual relations, and he, Jesus had brothers. Amen? Amen? Mary is no longer a virgin. Okay? So we have to understand that. Let's get it right, what the Bible mm -hmm. teaches us. Okay? We don't go to Mary when we pray. We go to Jesus. Amen? Mary was nobody different than we were. God just chose to be, used her to be the mother of the child. That's it. She was a sinner just like us. So we don't go pray for somebody who's a sinner to save any of us. Amen? Amen. We pray somebody who's sinless to save us. And that's who? Jesus. Jesus. None of the saints can save us either. Only Jesus. We go directly to him. The turtle was torn in half. We go directly to our Lord and Savior. We confess to him and to nobody else. Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. Let's get that right. Amen? Amen. That's why he came into the world. Amen. Well, we're all about truth here, right? We don't need, we need the light of truth. We don't need lies and deception. That's right. The world's full of that. We need the truth of God's word. Amen. And the truth of God's word needs to come from the pulpit. That's right. Not from people's opinions. The word of God comes from the pulpit. That's it, not opinions. The word of God said she had sexual relations after Jesus was born. That's the truth. That's right. And that's what we believe. Amen? Amen. Thank you. All right, we're going to continue our study in Deuteronomy. We're going to go in chapter 27 tonight. Amen. We're moving right along here. Amen. There is 34 chapters. We're rounding, we're rounding towards the end of this. And it's been an awesome journey with Deuteronomy so far, hasn't it? We glean so much from it. And like I said, you could always go back into our into our archives. Yep. Brittany has them all. She spends a lot of time in that in that web web server to make sure those podcasts are always ready to watch. The services are ready. They're all in order. Thank you, Brittany, for doing that. That's for all our benefit. So we can go back and glean Amen. some more out of that. Right? Amen. So one body, we all need each other. Amen. Look, we know that it's the Lord Jesus, but we still have to become the willing vessels to do the work. Amen? The work doesn't stop for an hour in church. Our work goes way beyond the four walls when the church is closed. Amen? We do so much more beyond the scenes to make sure everything's properly in an order. All right, chapter 27, let's start. Verse 1. Then Moses and the leaders of Israel gave this charge to the people. Obey all these commands that I am giving you today. When you cross the Jordan River and enter the land the Lord your God has given you, set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write this whole body of instruction on them when you cross the river to enter the land the Lord your God has given you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. He promised it, and it was coming to pass. All right, in, in, in chapter 27, verse 3, this whole body of instruction he's talking about here, literally all the words of the Torah, 
That's what he's trying to say. But this phrase could refer to the entire book of Deuteronomy, but considering the small surface that they were talking about here, okay, on which the text was inscribed, it probably just refers to the Ten Commandments. Amen? That's what we're thinking. And the land flowing with milk and honey simply means abundance. It's a land of abundance. It's a land that they didn't work for. Remember they were slaves? And God says, you know what? I'm going to turn that around and I'm going to make people slaves for you. And I'm going to give you a land flow of milk and honey, nothing that you worked for. Amen? Amen? He turned it around. And he said, if you keep obeying me, you'll always be that way. You'll always be on top and never on the bottom. And we're going to read that tonight. But if you choose to disobey me, you're going to be destroyed. He gave them a choice, just like he gives us a choice each and every day today. That has never changed. God always gives us a choice. All right, look at verse 4. When you cross the Jordan, set up these stones at Mount Ebal the, and coat them with plaster, my commanding you today. The covenant ceremony was to take place at Mount Ebal, a mountain east of Shechem, okay, as it tells us in Joshua 8, 30 to 35. The Samaritan Pentateuch reads Mount Gerizim, okay, here an obvious attempt to justify the existence of the Samaritan temple on that mountain. Okay, in verse 5. Then built an altar there to the Lord your God, using natural, uncut stones. You must not shape the stones with an iron tool. Okay, before we go any further, let me explain this a little bit. Natural, uncut stones, okay? Archaeological research has uncovered a number of Canaanite altars, all built of hewn blocks. In contrast to this practice, the Israelites would have built their altars only of rough stones, like it tells us in Exodus 20, 22 to 26, okay? So we have to understand that. Is everybody with me so far? Mm -hmm. All right. Let me just add to that a little bit. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Build the altar of uncut stones and use it to offer burnt, alt burnt offerings to the Lord your God. Also, sacrifice peace offerings on it and celebrate by feasting there before the Lord your God. Okay, in, in um, verse 7, some offerings atone for sins and trespasses. Okay, in verse 8, you must clearly write all these instructions on the stones coated with plaster. Then Moses and the Levitical priests addressed all Israel as follows. O Israel, be quiet and listen. Today you have come to the people of the Lord your God. You have become the people of the Lord your God. Today. The Israelites were already the Lord's people prior to this moment, but each time Israel affirmed itself to be God's people and renewed the covenant as here, they became God's people in a fresh new way. Amen? Recommitment to the Lord is like beginning a new relationship with Him. Amen? Okay. Let's go to verse 10 here. So you must obey the Lord your God by keeping all these commandments and decrees that I am giving you today. Curses from Mount Ebal. That same day, Moses gave this charge, also gave this charge to the people. 
When you cross the Jordan River, the tribes of Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin must stand on Mount Gerizim to proclaim a blessing over the people. And the tribes of Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali must stand on Mount Ebal to proclaim a curse. Okay, now proclaim a curse by invoking curses on themselves if they disobeyed the terms of the covenant. These tribes served as witnesses and judges of their own future disobedience. They were giving them the, all right, this is your choice, chance now. Okay, look at, let's go to, um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. 14, then the Levites will show to all the people of Israel. The Levites, uh, in verse 14, the Levites as a group were stationed on Mount Gerizim. The Ark of the Covenant accompanied them, and they offered sacrifices there, like it tells us in Joshua 8, 8 to 30 to 35. It was part of the Levites' role to teach and proclaim the Torah, okay? So we have to understand that. Verse 15, cursed is anyone who carves or casts an idol and secretly sets it up. These idols, the work of craftsmen, are detestable to the Lord. Okay, in verse 15, carves or cast an idol, such behavior would strike at the very heart of the covenant ideal by violating the second commandment. I will have no other God before me, amen? Like it tells us. And the people will reply, amen. God's making a covenant with us each and every day. Listen, you get up every day, you have a choice. Follow yourself in your sin nature or follow me in my ways. If you are disobedient and want to continue in your sin nature, you will be destroyed just like the other nations were destroyed. That's why you see a lot of unhappy, miserable Christians because they simply don't follow what God tells them to do after salvation. Can I get any men for this? It hasn't changed. God doesn't change. Then it says first in verse 16, Cursed is anyone who dishonors father or mother. And all the people will reply, Amen. Amen. Okay, in verse 16, dishonors father or mother in the various spheres of human relationship, duty to parents rank just below the duty to God. To disrespect and disobey parents was just short of disrespecting God. And as a Christian today, God holds us to the same standard. Okay, as Christians. Children are to obey their parents and respect them. Do you see that out in the world today? No, you don't. That's because why? The book of instructions that we, we study has been closed in America. We don't go by them guidelines anymore. We make our own guidelines. As a matter of fact, the children have more power than the adults. Oh, you do that to me, I'm going to call on you. You're going to get in trouble for trying to... Hello? That's the opposite of what the Bible teaches us. As, as the book closes, the world gets what? Darker and darker and darker. And that's why when we say Jesus is coming back soon, that's why. Remember back in the Old Testament, the book was closed for 400 years. Just imagine how they were living. 400 years of without hearing from God or the Word of God. Think about it. Think about what that, what that might have looked like. This nation is not 400 years old. How old is this nation? Maybe like 250? How old is America? I don't know. It's not that old. Yeah, right? Like 240 or something. Yeah. 
And we and back then when, when the nation was developed, we were reading the Bible and the churches on every corner were being, it was being obeyed. Now it's getting darker and darker and darker, just like the Bible said it would get. This country's in trouble. Please pray for it. Okay, look at verse 17. Cursed is anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. <laughs> verse 17, a bound, moving a boundary marker to one's own advantage is tantamount to theft and clearly violates the Eighth Commandment, okay, in Deuteronomy 5.19. And the people will reply, Amen. As a matter of fact, in our little short story, one of my, one of my co-workers has property and somebody bought the land next to it. And so he put, paved his driveway a little bit wider, but that wasn't his property. And somebody who bought the land, now six feet of that belongs to the other guy. And because they got the surveyors to come and everything. And now either he has to buy it or lease it off him. Actually has to pay him or either that or take the tar out of there and move it back. That's how serious moving boundary markers is. Yep. Amen? But he didn't mean any harm by it. Because it's like 18 acres of woods over there. You don't think anybody's going to come and say, oh, that's my property right there. That's how tedious it can get to, yep. to a T. You know, like 18 acres, if it was mine, it's like six feet, really? Yeah, you can have six feet. No yeah, problem, right. buddy. I got 18 acres of land. Yeah, yeah. But that's not the way the world is anymore. Yeah. It's full of greed and self-indulgence. Yes. That's my property. Get your tar off it or pay. Yeah. Rent it, yeah. yeah, that's how far it's going. That's and God and God's got it in here, right? Don't move the boundary markers. Okay. <laughs> hey, God's no joke. Look at verse 18 now. Cursed is anyone who leads a blind person astray oh, wow. on the road. Just imagine back then now, if somebody blind, somebody could actually what? Harm them or take them somewhere dangerous or off a cliff or make them fall or whatever. All right, in verse 18, this curse would apply to treatment of physically disabled or disadvantaged people in general. Such a mean and callous act was not worthy of a member of the covenant community in which all were to be treated alike. Okay? So, and the people will reply, Amen. Amen. Right? Verse 19. Cursed is anyone who denies justice to foreigners, orphans, or widows. And the people would reply, Amen. Amen. In verse 19, it would be easy to put foreigners, orphans, and widows at a legal disadvantage or to deny them justice altogether. Like it tells us in Deuteronomy 10, 18, and 24, 17. God was God was God was wasn't messing around. God was full of love, but he was full of justice at the same time, amen? And he knew that the people were gonna do this. So he had to put these laws out there. And guess what? When you make a lawless community, people just don't want laws. They, right now it's lawless out there. No parking. Anytime. Oh, but I'll just be there for five minutes. No, it says any time. It doesn't say only for five minutes. Yeah, right. It says any time. What do people say? <laughs> well, why is the sign there if it does not meant for anything? Absolutely. 
If you think it's okay to, when you let somebody do it, then what? Somebody else does it, and somebody else does it, and it becomes what? A lawless community. <laughs> the Bible tells us to obey the laws of the land. Yep. So people will see that our good conduct, that we're being led by a spirit of, of righteousness. Not of what? Disobedience. Mm -hmm. So what do Christians do? Oh, I don't have to obey the laws. Only the law of God applies to me. No. God says you obey all the government officials down here. As long as they're telling you that you can worship wherever you want, you're obedient and courteous to the government. Can I get any amen for this? Amen. That's a testimony that we belong to Jesus, not the devil. The devil is a lawbreaker. Jesus said, not one of my laws will disappear. Remember? All heaven and earth will disappear. Not one of my commands will disappear. He didn't come to take them away. He came to fulfill them. He says, how do I fulfill the commandments? Live your life like Jesus did. Full of what? Love and encouragement and peace. When you go against the government, you become a rebel and a peacetaker, not a peacemaker. Can I get an amen for this? Christianity is so warped and out of line these days. It's, the Bible tells us to respect the governing authority. Can I get any amen for this? The Bible is our owner's manual. And that's what we go by in this church. We obey it, okay? The, 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 they have recycling bins everywhere else. The church should recycle too. We're part of the community. That's right. It's not like, oh, we don't have to do that here. We're a church. No, we should do it even more. Yeah, right. It's crazy how churches are. Oh, we don't have that. We don't have to do that. Why not? Is it bad to recycle? No, it's to help the, to help the world so they can reuse it again. There's nothing wrong with it. Thank you, Jesus. Right. Christianity is so warped. You think we have like special... No, we're just to obey just like everybody else. If not more, exactly. Even when uh, in 1 Corinthians they were talking about suing people in court. They say, why not just accept the injustice and move on? And leave it in God's hands. No, you've got Christians suing Christians. Why would a Christian have to get a lawyer and a Christian? Because they're not following the Bible. The Bible says work it out within yourselves. You're going to a secular to find, work out something spiritual. Yeah, really. You're not going to get the right answer that way. Mm -hmm. Can I get any men for this? Oh, man. We're not that. We're not about that here. We're about love. The law of love. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Which, which, what did I end off here? 20? Okay, good. 20. Here's a big one. Cursed is anyone who has sexual intercourse with one of his father's wives. For he has violated his father. And the people will reply, Amen. Why would they have to make that statement if it wasn't happening? Mm -hmm. Cursed. Look at verse 22. Is anyone who has sexual intercourse with his sister, whether she is the daughter of his father or his mother? And the people will reply, Amen. Which means I agree, or yes. All right, what a daughter of his father and mother. Though this instruction concerns a relationship with a half-sister or foster sibling, it precludes a sexual relationship with one's full siblings as well. 
like it tells us in Leviticus 18, 9, and 2017. Oh, I did? Oh, let's not forget that one. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason why I went by it. It's so disgusting. Why is it disgusting? But does it happen? Absolutely, it happens. People, as, once perversion sets into a mind of a human being, there's no telling how far it will take it because it's never satisfied. The natural way of sex becomes diluted. It's not enough that way anymore. And they start exploring other avenues. And what do you think? You get on that nasty porn sites and stuff, what do you think pops up? Stuff like that. Oh, and what does it do? It entices us and drags us in and lures people into deeper and deeper into sin. That's why pornography is one of the worst sins you can commit in the body of Christ. Because it's a sin against your own body. In the body of Christ. You realize when you go do that stuff, you're taking Jesus on the porn site with you. Yeah, no kidding. It's embarrassing and shameful. But people want to keep it quiet, quiet, thinking it's okay. It's not okay. It needs to be repented of and dealt with. Yeah. Or else it can a little that, ruin the whole church. Mm-hmm. There's churches that are struggling because of that sin. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, 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 where is it, 21? Oh, boy. Cursed is anyone who has sexual intercourse with an animal. And the people will reply, Amen. Why is God, why are they making all these? Because all the nations around them were practicing these things. That's why God told them to destroy all that. That's what they were doing. That's how they worshipped. God wants his church to be what? Pure. Okay, can I go to 23 now? <laughs> this is even worse. <laughs> Cursed is anyone who has sexual intercourse with his mother in law. Don't worry. <laughs> you might. <laughs> no problem on that one. Is what it's, listen, we're real here. We're real here, really. That would be the last place I would go to my mother. Amen? Besides the animal. But this is where perversion brings us. Can I get any amen for this? Thank God we can be real here, right? We can be real here, right? And the Bible tells us not to do it because people do it. Mother-in-law. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. No problem on that one. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. And some more amens on that one, Lord. Can, if I just abstain, will that, will that cover the rest of this? I never hurt anybody. <laughs> Verse 24. Cursed is anyone who attacks a neighbor in secret. And the people will reply, Amen. 
Cursed is anyone who accepts payment to kill an innocent person. You mean they were doing that 4,000 years ago? Contracts? Yeah. As a matter of fact, Jezebel put a contract on who? Elijah. Boy, people use the terms in the Bible, but they don't want to accept the Bible. Most of the terminology of the world is used from the, getting from the Bible. Okay. And the people reply, Amen. In, in, in verse 26, Cursed is anyone who does not affirm and obey the terms of these instructions. And all the people will say, reply, Amen. Amen. Okay? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just want to mention something about the altar when we went back in verse... Uh, and five, and talking about the altar and not to cut the stones or anything like that. Let's just go back a little and talk about that. I did a little research on that. The first recorded altar was built by Noah in Genesis 8, 20 to 21. Though Cain and Abel gave the first offerings in Genesis 4, 3 to 4, the patriarchs built numerous altars. Okay? These altars designated sacred sites of divine revelation and personal land claims in the promised land both north in Shechem, okay, and south in Beersheba. Altars were made of stone, earth, brick, or metal, and wood. Their table-like form allowed smoke to rise unhindered, okay, intended as memorials or places for sacrifice. An altar was the most common image of worship in the Old Testament. Okay, and in the wider ancient world, the typical altar was on a raised platform accessed by a ramp or stairway. Okay, a ramp or stairway. This elevated the sacrificial worship toward heaven. Okay, the four horns on the corners of the altar marked off the sacred space of meeting between divine and human realms. It was the crossover. Yep, that's what they would, they, that would marked off the sacred place. Through sacrifice and burning, the offering was transferred from the visible to the invisible world. That's what it was. That what it was. See, you don't understand. What, that's what it did. It took from the reality to the spiritual. See it to the invisible. Altars were both religious monuments and places of refuge where fugitives could find asylum, like it tells us in Exodus twenty-one fourteen. Okay. Jesus unites the various aspects of the altar imagery in himself as high priest, sacrificial lamb, and altar, like it tells us in Hebrews 4, 7, 27, 9, 26, and 10. Jesus anticipated his own sacrifice in his reference to the blood of martyrs in Matthew 23, 35, and Luke eleven fifty one. The enthroned lamb in Revelation removes the need for temple and altar. The enthroned lamb in Revelation removes the need for temple and altar in Revelations 21-22. The cross is the final altar. Jesus' death is the new covenant memorial and his body is the place of sanctuary. Amen? That's why people are looking for that to be rebuilt again. That's not getting rebuilt again. We're the temple now. People are looking for this thing to get built again when it, that covenant is done with. People do not understand that we're the temple now. Yeah. There's not going to be a physical temple built anymore. No. They don't understand what the scriptures teach. 
The man of, man of lawlessness is going to be appear in the temple. Is going to be a human being that's going to be in the temple. That's the temple. The man of lawlessness is going to exalt himself as the temple, as the Messiah. Can I get an amen for this? Amen. Well, you can go in Israel all you want and wait for a temple. As a matter of fact, I think it's occupied by Muslims right now. They ain't never going to give that up. <coughs> yeah, they already took it over. It's theirs. I mean, Israel is far from God as it ever was. Yeah. All right, we got through a chapter. Let's go to another one. Let's go to 28. Everybody with me so far? Very interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. Not only are we getting stuff that we can use, but we're also learning about the history of it all, too, yeah. which is good. We, we, could, we, could, we can glean a lot from Deuteronomy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. Blessings for obedience, Deuteronomy 28. Is everybody with me so far? Yeah. Amen. This is good stuff, right? The Bible, the Word of God is always good. The Old Testament is just as good as the New Testament. The whole Bible is awesome. Genesis to Revelation. I love the daily walk. I mean, every time I go in and it's like, wow, this is so beautiful. Over and over. And I don't know how many times I've read the Bible. It's like, wow, I can't. You, you can never get all that in you at once. It takes years and years and years of hearing it and reading it and studying it to keep getting water. All right, verse 1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully, carefully, see it? Keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Now just imagine America. If it was just obedient to the word of God. It would put our nation above all the other nations. No, but no. You could have whatever God you want in this nation. God said, okay, go ahead. And guess what will happen? The nation will collapse. Thank God we got a better nation coming. Our nation's in heaven. Thank God this ain't our permanent home. Because it ain't going to get any better down here for us. It's going to get worse. Thank God that we have hope. That there's going to be a new world coming. Oh, my God. If you look how twisted it is already. Hello, you don't know if people are, what, what is, what are you? Um, I don't know what I am today. Yeah. You're a boy or a girl, I'm an it. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. It's like, yeah. nobody has an identity anymore. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly, like animals. Exactly, that's what it's coming to. We're becoming like animals. That's why when I come to church, I'm like, oh, my God, I grab the church. I'm like, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere to get back a perspective somewhere, please. Get my mind back in tune with God's people, something. And I'm excited about where we're going to be going. It's going to be beautiful down there. It's a wide open space down there. It's a blessing. Look at verse 1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Look at verse 3. Your towns and fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Breadboards were blessed because the harvest was blessed. In verse 5. Okay? 
Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter you from scatter from you in seven. See, this is what, listen. This applies to us. If we're obedient to the Lord while we're here, we get all them blessings too. When we get attacked by the devil, we can just flick them off. We don't have to fight with them because we're being obedient to God. But when we're living our way, living sinful, there's where the trouble comes in for Christians. You can't get all these blessings. That's why you get miserable Christians, because I want to live my own way, not God's way. But I still want to get blessed. It ain't happening. No, you're going to get cursed. You curse yourself when you, listen, when you sin, you curse yourself. That's just the way it goes. Don't blame it on anyone else when you sin, because you end up cursing yourself. And don't expect to get blessed. That's for sure. Then look what it says. In verse um, 8, okay. All right, here the number, no, before we go. In, in the Bible, the number 7 generally conveys fullness or completion. That's why it says in, seven, in verse 7, scatter you from 7. They will be away from you completely. Okay, that's what it's saying. And here the numbers indicates that Israel's enemies will be completely removed from the land. Completely removed. No, no more enemies. You want to be free of your enemies? Be obedient to God. The Lord will guarantee a blessing, look at verse 8, on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's given you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, here it is, obey him and what? Walk in his ways. Live the way he tells you to live. Okay? Walk in his ways. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. As always, it's a choice. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. This is the time to shine for Christians as obedient children of God so people can see that Jesus is controlling us and not Satan. And why is it, why are they failing? Because people aren't obeying God. They're still obeying the commands of this world. So there's no testimony in Christianity. Because they don't think they have to live a righteous life. Hello, you got saved to live a righteous life. So you can be a living example of Jesus here on earth again. Look, if you don't want to get right, if you want to do it for you, that's one thing. But when you're, when, you, when you're supposed to be a soldier for God's kingdom, you don't sin so you can, what? Glorify God and make his, build his kingdom down here. Because we, we're self-destructive. We don't care about ourselves. That's why we're sin all the time. But when you have what? Other agenda. Say, look, I want the ministry to grow. I want my people to get blessed. I want my prayers to get answered. I'm going to stay pure. Amen. Can amen for that? Amen. People don't think of that. They just think sin is selfish and self-centered. It's self-gratifying and instant gratifying. So, oh, well, my, my wife is going free. Uh, I can't take it. And you go sin. But you don't realize you just affected your prayers. You affected your people in your ministry. You affected your wife. And you affected your children with that sin. So next time you go and do it, think about them before you go and commit it. You hurt the ministry. You hurt the people. You hurt your family. You hurt five people every time you commit a sin. Not just yourself. So think about that. 
The next time you go and do something nasty, because you don't think anybody's watching. But guess what? There is somebody watching. You're a heavenly father in heaven. That's why he said fear God is the beginning and the key to all wisdom and understanding. Knowing that God is right there with you and you're committing it. And you're not getting away with it and you will suffer for it. You will not be a happy Christian living a sinful life. That's why you got Christians, where are you going to? Oh, the devil's all over me. Of course he is. He's all over you because you're doing everything wrong. When you're doing things right, the devil ain't bothering you. Because you're under, the, you're under God's umbrella. He's, he's protecting you because you're living righteously. He can't touch you. And people just don't get it, right? They go, oh. I can sin, it's okay, I'm saved. Yeah, you're saved and when you go to heaven. Down here you ain't. You're wide open for attacks. Every time you open the door to sin, you open the door to Satan. You don't have to do a seance to let him in, trust me. All you have to do is commit a sin. That's all you have to do is commit a sin. And here he is, right there. You commit the sin, you're over here with Jesus, right? The world gets heavy, you go commit a sin, you're right over here with Satan again. Because it, it all comes down to this, my brothers and sisters, a choice. Mm -hmm. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. Mm -hmm. Choose to not sin, then you will glorify God and you will be blessed. Mm -hmm. But the blessing is not immediate. That's the thing Christians yes. don't get. It's not immediate gratification for a Christian anymore. It's down the road that the blessings come as you live right. Got to get it through our heads. These commands, the Old Testament was there to keep us from making the same mistakes they did. He said, if you do all these things, I'm going to bless you. What did they choose? They chose, they chose the curses. What do you choose? The blessing is sin when you don't sin. The curse is when you do. That's the choice you make every day. Can I get an amen for this? That's the truth, my brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. This sitting in here doesn't save you from that. Mm -hmm. And don't think you're getting away with it, because you're not. Mm -hmm. Just because God's not judging it right now. Go read Ecclesiastes. Just because sin isn't judged swiftly, doesn't mean it's not coming. Mm -hmm. Judgment's not coming. Why? Because he loves you. Mm -hmm. And he's going to turn up the heat in your life. Whew, and you'll hear... Believe me, I hear it all the time. Christians complaining all the time. I'm saying, why are you complaining? You're choosing to do things a certain way, and you're getting the result from that way. You're choosing it. You might as well just say, I'm not, I got nothing to complain about. I'm the one who's created. I'm the one who made this mess. God didn't make it. I did. Everything I did comes down to a choice. <laughs> the truth. The truth hurts. But it also sets us free. And we say, okay, now I understand this. Now I don't have to do it. Now I can live free. I'm going to start somewhere. That's why his what? Tender mercies begin what? Afresh every day. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now I know the truth. I know when I sin, I'm affecting my wife, my kids, my ministry, and everybody else. I'm not going to do it. Amen. For their benefit, not mine. I want to do it. But for them, I'm not going to. Amen. That's loving others over yourself get it that's what jesus came for it's not about you anymore it's about him what did jesus say 
turn from your selfish ways, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. What do you think denying yourself is? All the sinful things that you like to do. But you know how Christians are. Oh, I can get away with it. Shh. Shut the lights. God can't see me. Nobody's around. God's in you. you he's not, it's not that he can't see you. Hello, he's in you. Remember, you accepted him into your life. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You can't hide. You can't shut the light on him. He's the one that keeps the light on. When you come down here to do it, right, even though you want to do it, that little light comes on. The little light still comes on. You go and do it, but the light's still on. You can't shut it off. Then you feel like crap after. After the instant gratification, whatever you wanted to do, you sit over here in shame. There's no blessing. There's a curse from it. But that instant gratification felt good at the moment, but later on you felt disgusting. Let's be real about it. Let's get, let's get the real result of what sin really does to somebody. Jesus didn't come so you can keep doing it. He came for you to stop. That's a big amen, right? And when you stop is when you get blessed. But the problem is we got to get crucified first. We have to die. The flesh has to die. And the only way it's going to die is if you starve it. If you keep feeding it with sin, it stays alive. But if you starve it from sin, it dies and it gets less powerful. But people cave into it too much. And then they can't get free of it. There comes a day, the Bible tells us clearly, when you won't be able to get free of it anymore. And I don't know when that day is. But it'll be, it'll, it'll be so ingrained in you that you can't get loose of it. And God said, there's nothing I can do. It's fair warning. Jesus says, when you hear his voice, today's the day of salvation. <laughs> Set me free. Please. Let me get in your plan, Lord. See, when you're, when you're in your own plan with sin, you're not in God's plan. You miss out on all the blessings of watching ministries grow and flourish and being part of a community and a family because you're so wrapped up in yourself and your sin, you don't see anything else around you. It shouldn't even be a question, what can I do? Just look around, there's plenty to do. Your spiritual eyes are opened. There's a lot of work to be done for everyone. What did Isaiah, what did, what did Isaiah say? God was looking around. I said, use me. Use me, Lord. Is that, what you, is that your mentality when you leave? Use me, Lord. That's mine. That's why I'm here. There's no excuses. I'm here. I'm here because God wants me here. Not because I want to be here because God wants me here. If it was up to me, I'd be able to skip here and there. I'm tired. We're tired today. See you later. There'll be nobody up here. But you're just as important as I am in God's kingdom in his house. Don't think you're not. When you don't come, it's just as much missing as the pastor missing. Amen for this? These are good earthly. These are good for us. We need to hear this stuff so we can get right. You won't get right if I just say blessings upon everybody. You came to church tonight. Good for you. Go celebrate with some sin tonight. You're not going to get it from this pulpit. Amen. Thank you. 
You're not going to get it from this pulpit. And I don't care if the seats don't all get full. Because we want quality people in our church. We don't want sin in here. We don't want it in, the, in, in God's house. We want a pure bride. That's what we're working towards, right? Holiness. Separation. And if people don't want that, they ain't going to come here. They're going to want to hear, your best life now. No, you're not going to get your best life now. Because this isn't our permanent home. We all read the Bible, right? Amen. Heaven is our home, amen? But it's amen. sojourners here now. We're aliens in this country. Amen. And it's supposed to, listen, when you're a Christian, you're supposed to live like an alien down here. What's an alien? Somebody that does everything opposite of what the world does. Nothing, nothing, we're not intermixed with the world anymore. We're separate from that. And that's what we're working towards, separation, which is holiness and separation. Can I get an amen for this? This is good stuff. This is a good Christmas message, ain't it? That's why Jesus came. Amen. He came so we can accomplish it. Amen. Not so we can sit here and fail. Because without him, we are failures. We're more than conquerors for him that loves us. That's why grace is so powerful. Love conquers sin. Grace conquers sin. God loves us so much. The reason why he hates sin because it hurts his kids and everybody around them. It doesn't hurt him. He already paid. Jesus paid the penalty. You're not hurting God when you sin. You're hurting yourself. It's self-destructive. All right, we're going to stop there. Where did we end? Where did we stop on this one? We stopped in verse 11. Okay. Thank you for letting me share that. We're going to close, and then we're going to get a song up. Who wants to close tonight? Oliver, you want to come up and close us tonight? Okay. Yeah, come on up. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the man of God who stood boldly and told us what we needed to hear, not, 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 just didn't itch our ears. But he stepped on our toes and he told us the truth. We thank God for the truth, dear Lord, and that's what we come here for. Because we want to change. Yes, and we Lord. Might, I don't want to go out there and be a light and salt to this lost and dying world. Amen. Lord, we pray you'd protect us as we go, and we pray that uh, you'd put a hedge about us and don't let the devil come in and get in our way, and that we might do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Oliver.